0: I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative.
1: So today's question is all about niching, which I was really excited to see because I feel like this is such a good topic.
0: Can we also agree to say niche and not niche for the entire duration of the episode because it's <laughs> one gonna, of my pet peeves? I'm going to slip a niche in at some point <laughs> just to see your face. do do it.
1: <laughs> okay, this is a bit of a longer one, so let's listen in. Okay, today's letter is from Mary and then she says... I own a floral design business. I will be celebrating my third year in business in February. Things are going really well and I'm finally feeling established. I serve wedding clients primarily and I'm based in Chicago where the market is large, affluent and there is a lot of business to go around despite there being a lot of other florists. I'm very intentional about my branding and have always felt like I've had a good handle on it. I love the clients I have attracted mostly because they let me be creative and are very trusting. The way I approach client work is to listen to what they want, determine if that falls under my brand and if it does execute their vision in my own style. I do both edgy moody bridal looks and more romantic soft looks. I feel like this fits with my aesthetic and meets the demands of the market but I also worry that by doing two contrasting things I'm not doing any one thing and my customers won't be able to recognize themselves in me. I would say I originally intended to be 80% romantic soft and 20% edgy moody but it's more of a 50-50 split. I'm comfortable with the split even though I didn't intend it. Every now and then I'll be speaking to someone who really doesn't understand my brand. I get a decent chunk of my business referred to me from planners which is great and I'm so grateful for it. The relationship. Relationships I've built are wonderful, and the planners I work with a lot really get me. But I get rattled when I interact with a planner who pigeonholes me as something I don't recognize in my brand. It makes me wonder if my messaging isn't strong enough, or if I'm too much of a chameleon to make anyone happy. I feel like I should state that I like doing different looks in my work. Brides tend all want the same look, and it can be really monotonous. I want to approach every job I do with freshness and enthusiasm because I think it shows in your work. I also realize that I am here to serve my clients and execute their vision. Do you think I need to be more niche, or keep doing my thing? Am I too all over the place?
0: Great question. I reckon there's lots in there that people are going to relate to. And I feel like there's kind of two conversations we need to have. One for Mary's specific circumstances, and then also a broader topic about niching and some of the ideas that we have about niche that maybe are helpful or not helpful. I remember maybe like three years ago, niching was like the topic
1: yeah. that everyone was talking about. And there's, there's, in some circles, it's very rooted in that you have to have a niche and it has to be so specific. And I, find, I feel like it's spoken about a little bit less
0: now, but it's still it's still out there. I think it was kind of pushed in that whole like um, webinar, yes, yes, kind of yes. quite salesy, kind of structured world of coaching, that it was used and sold as like a a, a magic fix. A quick fix, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like find your niche and everything's going to fall into place. And for a lot of people, it ended up being the opposite of helpful because a lot of people found themselves too tightly pigeonholed. I don't
1: know about you, but when I see, come across a business or a brand that is niched on purpose and what i mean by that is when it feels like they've really tried to like have a niche to stand out in the industry it feels very inauthentic to me actually sometimes
0: yeah because it's kind of arbitrary boundaries that you've imposed on yourself rather than found by like exploring your own boundaries
1: I actually fit into the camp of people who doesn't also believe in the whole ideal client profile avatar Mm -hmm. thing because I think humans are too messy for that it feels productive in the moment yeah but it actually really stifles it makes your business a bit of like a it just takes the humanity out of it it's not very
0: realistic that's kind of always been my issue and I've never been one to use it either like I think there's a point where it can be helpful to kind of brainstorm who are the different types of people who might be my customers and what could they look like if you've got no idea that can be really helpful and you can also kind of give you new avenues to explore for like growing your audience for example but yeah getting super duper specific about anything in your business I think if you're imposing limits on your business rather than finding your own natural limits it can feel jarring both to you as the business owner and also to customers.
1: I think this is another area where we try and control something with like a very quick fix solution yeah and really business is messy I if someone sat here and was like describe to me your ideal client and I'm like if I think of like say 10 clients who I've worked with over the past four years like just the first two people who come to my mind who I just really love them they're all wildly different yeah. apart from one thing that they
0: have in common which is that they have a creative dream yeah that's it yeah do you know what I mean totally it comes up a lot as well so people will take the treat in particular and we'll kind of have this struggle. Because one of the things we do is we kind of try and focus, and actually I've put this into the book as well. If anyone is going to be pre-ordering it, it's available on Amazon. It's called Hashtag Authentic. But we do a little bit of thing where you kind of find some keywords for your brand and define who, what kind of message you want to be putting across. And it's more about defining what you already do and who you already are. But at that point, a lot of people can start to say, I feel like I've got too many different facets to my business. A little bit like Mary, where she's saying kind of, romantic but also edgy and she feels like those two things don't go together and the advice I always give and it'd be interesting to see if you agree with this Jen is in my experience the things that people think are competing elements of their brand or their niche are usually not as competing as they think they are because the thing every every part of your business has in common is that it's you so if it's possible for you a person to like edgy floral design and also romantic floral design it's possible for all of those things to sit within one brand. The only exception is like if you love romantic floral design and also supercars, maybe they need to be two separate brands because they are so different. But in 99% of cases, actually, I think if you're at the heart of your business and the heart of your brand, what you're attracted to naturally should be a part of your business.
1: I always say to my clients, you contain multitudes, so why would your business not contain multitudes? that's a much more succinct way of putting it. Thank you, I shall steal that from now on. (laughs) I think it's, I really think we're really afraid for things to feel messy. I also think that sometimes we get anxious from the reaction of the people who don't matter. So for Mary here, she's saying that sometimes she gets really annoyed when people pigeonhole her and they don't get who she is. These people aren't your people. Yeah. Like, but you said your business is doing really well, that you get a lot of your work from planners. A lot of people get what you do. They're loving what you do. They they understand that you contain multitudes in your businesses too. It's just that those few people who aren't your people... I mean, Sarah, how many people have you ever had look at you when they hear your job and they just think that's not a real job? Yeah, they're not my people. And all the people who just think that we're so like, oh, stop talking about feelings and creativity. Yeah, woo-woo, yeah. Yeah, and just completely... And they're not our people. And I, I think we give power away to people who don't deserve any of that power because they're not our people.
0: Yeah, so when she said it wrestles her when she feels like people don't get what she does or pigeonhole it, I felt like I knew immediately two things about her situation one was that she's not realizing how little people get creative work in general yeah. and by by that I mean whatever you do you could be a potter I was talking to my friends at the weekend who are both illustrators and like one of them Jerry he he does some work with like he illustrates foxes and he said he went through a phase where everyone was sending in pictures of other people's foxes going did you draw this <laughs> And he was like, it looks nothing like mine. And he was kind of almost a bit offended that people couldn't tell the difference between his work and these other foxes. But the the people sending them to him were not illustrators. If you are not in that specialist field, it's surprisingly difficult to see the nuances in the same way that you do as a creator. And I know I did it. John O'Smart, I sent him a link the other day. I was like, this thing in H&M looks like yours. And I don't think he thought it did at all. But from the kind of a... Idiot outsider perspective, it totally did. So, just because these wedding planners do not get the creative nuance of what you do means absolutely nothing about your business, your branding, your messaging, your work. All it means is they are not in the same sphere or they are not seeing the work in the same level of detail as you are, which is right because that's not their job, it's yours. But, second of all, the thing I took from that response to that is that you are outsourcing too much of your self worth. To people who don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like we've just established they don't get it. So why does what they think about your work matter more than what you know about your work and what your right customers know about your work and what your happy brides have said about your work?
1: I could not agree more. And Mary, the reason I'm not worried about you here, your business is doing really well. Yeah. Your business is thriving. And we got a look on your website It made so much sense to me.
0: Yeah, beautiful. It all felt cohesive.
1: And personally, for someone who got married 18 months ago now, when I was looking for photographers, for example, I was just looking for a feeling. I was looking for a feeling of how their photos made me feel. They can do different styles depending on the wedding day and the couple. And that excites me because I don't want them to do my wedding like they're going to do everybody else's wedding.
0: Totally, totally. And I have a friend who's a florist in a similar way. And I think floristry in particular is one of these industries where there is a percentage of people who've just not realized that it's changed because floristry seems really divided you can have very traditional like funeral flowers you know arrangements done in a very traditional way and then you have things like Mary does which are much more fluid more organic more modern floristry i guess and you are always going to get people who come who google wedding florist and find you and ask for the wrong things and it sounds like you've really built a process for your business that makes room for that that kind of repels the wrong people but you're always going to have to kind of have that manual input as well of saying, oh, okay, you're looking more for a florist like this. That's not about your messaging. That's not about your niche. That is just about general education of the public. And I think that that will slowly evolve as people get more used to the way that floristry has changed. Completely.
1: And I think the only time to worry about niche is when you're only attracting the wrong Mm clients, when you're not attracting any clients.
0: Those are the only times to worry about it.
1: Yeah, Because also, like for Mary, you're saying that you do like 50-50 split on these different styles. But as someone who doesn't know anything about flowers, I can't actually tell the difference. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I'm just seeing a beautiful floral arrangement and how it makes me feel. And I'm just seeing the quality of that. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, that's edgy and moody and that's romantic. It's, for me, it's, flowers are romantic anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally.
0: And I guess it's that thing of like, it's you need to know yourself and you need to know as you're making it that I'm going for edgy this time and I'm going for a romantic that time because that helps you with your creative vision, Mary. But you don't need anyone else to know that. Those those keywords that we do in the Insta retreat, they're not for everybody else. You don't have to tell everybody that my keywords are X, Y, and Z. It's for you. So that you know what it is you really want to be creating and when you're hitting the right notes. And also so that you know when you're not and you make something and you think, oh, this doesn't really resonate with those things that I knew I wanted to be working towards.
1: I think this comes down to like an anxiety that's been caused by something outside of your business. Your business isn't actually screaming at you for anything here. Yeah. It's these random people who are kind of triggering this in you. And I think it, I think we all have a desire to be seen and understood. Yeah. Yeah. And I have it like, so my best is dearest friends in the world do not have a flying clue what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I think they just think I blog. <laughs> They're just like, oh, do blogs? <laughs> and I love them. And there's 10 million things I'd rather do with them than explain to them what my job is.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you're secure in what you do enough that you don't need outside validation or recognition of what you do. And I think that that's possibly what's at the root of this issue for Mary is maybe just a feeling like if other people don't get what she does, does it still count? Is it still valuable? Or is she doing something wrong? And I think it's just about her doing that work with herself to trust that she is going in the right direction. She's already built this amazing business. She's already satisfying her clients. And that's their shit. If people don't get it, that's their shit. That is a really helpful phrase that I use a lot in my life. That's your shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I also think like, I, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think as both a business owner and someone who in- interacts with other businesses, I think niching in too much is just boring at times. Yeah. Like for Mary, for example, if you were doing the same thing over and over again, you're a, not showing off your talent and your skill set, you're going to get bored and people aren't going to see what's possible for you because I imagine as a florist, you want every wedding you do to feel different.
0: Well, what's the difference between a niche and a pigeonhole except yes. language? And again, this is something we look at in the Insta Retreat because there are occasions where niching can really help. So If you look on Instagram, super niche accounts often are the ones that grow the most quickly. Mrs. Hinch, for example. Mrs. Hinch. So all she does is cleaning and gray and white interiors. And she's grown super, super rapidly. Or like those accounts that are for like someone's pet hedgehog. And it's all they ever post every single day is a picture of the Hedgehog, hedgehog, hedgehog. Nothing else. And that's great. And you grow really fast. You're much more likely to go viral. You're much more likely to get featured. And if that's what you want, that's great. But it's a pigeonhole because what happens when your pet hedgehog dies? (gasps) What happens? Sorry, but but the saddest story in the world, it's true. What happens if you, you know, Mrs. Hinch suddenly decides one day she's over grey and she wants to like... She's over cleaning. She's over cleaning. She has a baby. I think she's pregnant, isn't she? And she decides that actually she wants to talk about motherhood. And what we know from having watched this happen to other people's accounts is audiences are really fickle and they're really unforgiving. And if you suddenly decide to pivot midway, get ready to lose half of that audience that you've built by being super, super specific. But if you can build an audience by being quite mixed, quite general, by keeping in all the different facets of your business and yourself that make you happy, that keep you motivated and that keep your business diverse and creative and fun, then Yes, you might grow a little bit more slowly, but you're going to grow an audience that is flexible, that has room for growth, that is future-proof, that whatever you decide to do next, however you decide to pivot, they're with you on that journey. And it's actually so much more valuable in the long term.
1: I also think looking at niching in this way is quite short-sighted. Like Mary, what makes you stand out is not ultimately the type of style you do. What makes you stand out is you, Mm -hmm. the way, the experience of working with you, your skill set, your vision, your approach that's your niche and I, people don't like this because this is messy and gray and blurry and we think our niche is like I am like okay I'm a creative coach okay that's what I call myself I could give myself a really niche title like I'm something like, like I, I don't know like, like like some people call themselves like a, a productivity and something something coach for something 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 do you know what? I'm just yeah up for of specific my types of businesses
0: and they'd have to be the certain
1: gender yeah. and yeah all I do when I go to a website like that is feel like it doesn't connect with me. Whereas if I go to someone's website and I read their content and I connect with them and I get who they are, that's sort of my connection point. The niche is just branding at the end of the day. They, like I think we look at niching to
0: surface level. Yeah, I think I do believe that everyone sort of has their own niche. Yeah. Just by being just by existing and it will come through in the things you do. So like both of us attract far more women than we do men to our like coaching and our courses. But that is not because we've niched it and said we are Such women energy. only. Yeah, it's just what we put out. It's the way we communicate. And so we don't have to be afraid of niching. Like, it's not something where we're like, oh, no, I feel like I'm gonna I'm going to put off the wrong people. Yeah. It's good to put off the wrong people. But it's not good to say, okay, this is a hard line if it doesn't need to be. I I like the thinking of it as like attracting and repelling yeah like if anything we're
1: putting out there is just middle of the road it's not going to do anything we should be attracting and repelling and the only way to do that is to show up 100% as ourselves yeah but if it comes from a manufactured place of well this is my niche and this is my target profile person and these are specific things I'm going to say not only have you lost your humanity and all of that but you've actually lost what makes you special I think it's actually trusting sometimes that
0: you showing up as your whole self in a focused way is the thing that makes you special. And that's what people connect to. We don't connect. Like how often have you seen a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad and been like, this is not for me. But someone has put in details, I don't know if anyone's never set themselves, like set up an ad for themselves, they maybe don't know this. But you are asked to choose all sorts of demographic information, like interests, who people follow, where they live, what age they are, whether they have kids, all sorts of information, you can get really, really specific about who you're targeting with these ads. But sometimes you can hit people who on paper are your perfect target niche customer, and they have no interest in what you're, what you're doing or what you're selling, because people are not Linear, just because somebody fits that avatar doesn't mean that the person inside is interested in the same things. I work with a lot of service-based creative business
1: owners and I'm a service-based creative business owner. And the underlying thing that I see in all of our businesses is what makes an ideal client is a couple of things. They trust us to do our job. Yeah. Like So say if you're a designer, an ideal client for you, even if you love their business model, is not an ideal client if they micromanage you the whole way.
0: Yeah, and Mary says this, isn't she? She loves her that her clients let her have creative freedom.
1: Exactly. They So they, they, they let you, they trust you, they let you do your thing. They're nice to work with. Yes. And they want to work with you for... Like, they want to work with you for your style or your approach. Yes. The rest... And that can come in so many different shapes or forms. If you lined up 10 of my clients right now, they would be wildly different in most ways. Some ways similar. Like, I, for example, like you said, we, I, we work predominantly with women. Now and again, I get a man as a client... And it's been really beautiful experience a lot of the time. Yeah. Because I guess what I'm saying here is niching can either be a way to hone in on your USP or it can be a way to stifle yourself. And it's knowing which way to go in with that.
0: Yeah. Like, so there are definitely times in business where I think it's, we resist niching because we feel like we have to sell to everybody which is more dangerous than yeah it. and I think that that's probably where a lot of the niche messaging comes from because people recognize this problem everyone was having where they were like trying to be all things to everyone so as if you Jen suddenly went oh well, I'm not selling much like many packages to men I'm gonna do a marketing campaign for men and I'm gonna like <laughs> I don't know like you know have a podcast where I just talk about manly things and <laughs> Obviously, that would dilute your whole brand. It would make people lose faith in you. It would burn you out and pull you in too many different directions. So of course, you need to lean into the niche. But the niche is who you are. The niche is not who your business is for, or what your business is about. It's just about what you are doing and why you're doing it. I also think
1: niche is different depending on your business
0: model. So for example, a
1: visual creative the way your niche comes to life as a visual creative is a lot different to say a writer or, mm. a, or like a personality. You know, like social media influencers, their niche is how much of their life they share and how they curate their life. Yeah. Whereas like a photographer, their niche is their photography style and their approach. A coach, your niche is more like kind of your point of view and your approach to coaching. So niche is not one size fits all either. It kind of, the way you approach niche usually depend also on your business model and your kind of what you're actually selling if that makes sense
0: totally and it's flexible it changes it changes all the time and that's the real problem with like drawing these hard fast lines and saying i only do this i don't want to attract people that want this because six months down the line you might feel differently or they might be different people and back to that kind of example of like those pigeonholed instagram accounts a business is a living breathing entity and it has to be able to move with us and grow with us and grow with the economy and grow with the way people's tastes change and people's customer behavior changes. And getting any time that you get too hard and fast and specific, you're putting a rigid framework around something that needs to be soft and flexible.
1: I actually have this mantra, which is build the business that only you can build. I think scrap the word niche, Like I worry for people that if you worry too much about building a niche and you forget to dive deeper into what you're really about, you build something quite generic Mm. and quite manufactured. Whereas really, if I think about all the businesses that A, stand the test of time and B, make me actually feel something and pay attention, it's because it's just so unique and special to that person. So I think... Forget about worrying about a niche and go deeper into what's my actual vision for this work? Why am I doing this? What's my point of view? What's my approach? What's my style? It's messier. It's harder. But then you create something that not only stands out, but also has the capacity to live and breathe and grow and evolve. It's not so boxed in because consumers know, they know what makes them feel good and what makes them not feel good.
0: Totally. Totally. The one thing I will say to people when they're really struggling with this is sometimes that your customers and your target kind of audience are people who are a lot like you. And I think that that's all the information you need. You don't really need to go much deeper than that because they're like you in the sense that they'll like the same things you like, hopefully, that they'll be a nice person in the same way you are. And that can be a really helpful thing because then that kind of, I feel like that gives you permission then to trust your instincts a lot more. What we're really doing when we say that is you are your target customer, so if this appeals to you if you like this if this feels like the right message the right way to sell then it will be for you and if you're worried about that competition but everything that they do alienates you or annoys you then trust that your customers will also feel that way like it's a really reassuring thought to recognize that the people who respond to your business do so because they respond to you yeah it's you are the ultimate niche of your yeah. business
1: like the way you commu- communicate the, your approach your style the way you express ideas the way you show up that's what makes your business special and also I know I said this earlier but Mary like your business tells you what's going on your business is thriving right now if you were coming to us and you were saying people are coming to me but they're like oh I don't really understand what you do if you're for me there's something about the brand you've built that
0: is connecting with people
1: and I think that ultimately comes down to the fact that you know who you are in this work
0: yeah Absolutely, and you found your your right passion and and built a business that really suits how you work and how you want to create.
1: I think something really interesting here is that she's celebrating her third year in business the next month, yes, which I think is useful to listen for anyone here who's maybe at month three or even year one. This takes time, yeah, I know my business better now than I did
0: four years ago, and I know that I know my business better in four years than I do now. oh my goodness, totally, and these questions will keep coming up because, as we said, it keeps evolving and keeps changing so. If at any one point I think you could sit down and go, this is my absolute niche... You're probably doing something wrong, and it's time to look again. Yeah, I just say pay attention to like pay attention to the clients or
1: customers that are coming to you. Are they a good fit? Are you doing good work together? Does it feel good for you? If not, something's off. Like how much of the brand that you're putting out there to the world is in a, is aligned with how you feel about your business?
0: If there's a disconnect there,
1: if the tone is disconnected or the image or the way it makes people feel, then you have some tweaking to do.
0: Yeah, and it is tweaking. It's an ongoing process. So there was a class I sold an intro class that. Just on that one occasion, it wasn't the usual dynamic. The people weren't the usual kind of people and everything was different. And I had to go away and look at what marketing I'd done differently in the months previous to that, that had drawn in this different crowd because it didn't work as well for what I've built. And again, so then you can tweak. Then you can say, oh, well, I actually had this magazine coverage and possibly it was coming via that. So it's always an ongoing process. And your business is always going to keep giving you the data and the information you need.
1: I also think that there is a layer here of trusting the business you've built. Mm. I don't spend much time worrying about my niche. None. I spend a lot of time hoping that what I'm putting out into the world is very much aligned with who I am in my work. And I think scarcity comes into this. If you think there's not enough work to go around, then you might feel like you have to bend yourself to get attention from potential clients and customers. Yeah. But sometimes... I don't know about you, Sarah, but the businesses that connected me the most and that I would, ha- that if anything they launched, I would happily buy because I just love what they do. I want to support them as if it was like a product for me. I, it's because they're quietly clear.
0: Yes. Do you know what I yeah.
1: mean? There's no like super like neat marketing copy because that's not real to me it's just that I know who they are and they make me feel something yeah and I think those are the businesses that have lasted 10 years 15 years you know eight years whatever and I think it's just niching is good if we pull it down to the idea of I need to be clear about who I am and who I'm for I need to attract and repel but niching shouldn't be a
0: way to shave off your edges totally don't round off your edges because that's where people get stuck and that's when you lose the magic totally and that well there's no room to grow if you squeeze yourself in where on earth are you going to go next I would say that if you're starting to feel the pressure to niche in I would ask a
1: better question I'd ask yourself what do I stand for what am I about if I could give my clients or customers anything what would it be that's a really clarifying question sometimes who am I here for instead of asking yourself like who am who's my ideal client ask yourself what are my ideal clients struggling with and what am I here to help them with because you're going to get different people coming like for you for example with the industry take, take 10 clients from the. 10 and customers from the latest class they probably all came for a different reason that had yeah. an underlying unifying meaning but one's probably looking for clarity one's
0: looking to grow something into a business and they're all at different stages of that journey as yes. well there was no way if you'd asked me to map them down on paper I could never have predicted any of the members of any single class but when they all come together there's a shared magic that we all bring to the class yeah
1: if you're struggling with this I would say maybe pick like three to five like creative businesses that you really love And actually ask yourself, what's their niche? How do they make themselves stand out? And how do they execute that niche? And I think what you'll see in action is the human,
0: purposeful way of doing that, not the cookie-cutter, manufactured way of doing that. Totally, totally. And I I think it's about keeping in mind the difference between short-term gains and long-term gains. Because just like with the Instagram accounts, it can feel like a quick answer, a quick fix to say, well, I'm just going to really hard, go really hard and target this one area or I've spotted this gap in the market. So I'm going to advertise just to these people. And it might be a short term fix. And if you need short term cash, by all means, but it's not a business. And long term, you have to build something that is based around you and around your strengths and around your interests. And find the people that want that from you.
1: And that gives you room to grow. Yeah. I would hate the idea that my business couldn't handle me evolving in whatever form I want to evolve in as life goes on. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'd feel so if you're feeling pressure to niche and you can't tell if you're making a good decision or not, something I would say is if you've got an idea for a niche you think you should do, ask yourself, will I feel at home in that business two years from now? Yeah. Like if you're saying so for example, Mary, if Mary was like, you know what, I need to cut it out and just do softer romantic florals, does that business feel at home to you? Do you want to run that business? I'm guessing no, because of what you have shared with us today.
0: And I, I mean, listening to what she's saying here, I don't think the issue is that she's doing these edgy looks and the romantic looks. I think the issue is just that there's a lot of demand and people are finding her details from all different channels and coming to her for all different reasons. And that's only going to get easier and more clear to people the longer she's been established she's only been at it for three years you know there'll be lots of people who are stumbling across her for the first time but in 10 years time she sticks to her guns and says doing what she's doing people are going to know immediately exactly what she's about because she'll be established in that area and if all these people
1: who've said things to you that have rattled you didn't How would you be feeling right now? That's a good question. Like I know for me, the only times I really truly wonder like, oh my God, is my business weird? Is this someone who doesn't get it? says a weird question to me like when someone's like so what do you do and I I met so a few last month I had a chest and the worst chest infection ever and I went to doctors and I was like oh I work from home and he was like oh what do you do and and I'm not a business coach but I tell people I'm a business coach if they don't have any idea in this industry because creative coach will just confuse them yeah and he looked at me like right okay (laughs) and I just left like I don't care because I know what my work is yeah and so I just yeah niching is such a big complicated topic which depending on you and your business and your way your brain works it's a different answer that serves everyone I think
0: I do think that's true and so if anyone's listening to this and thinking but my niche has really been helpful to me we're definitely not saying you have to abandon that or you have to put it out of your head like in the end anything that helps you stick with it but if there's anyone out there who is feeling like they need to just know what their one thing is and to pick one and stick with it I would say resist that messaging and instead look at ways to weave it all together into something you love. Even take Sarah, for example, who on the surface, someone could say, oh, Sarah's niche is Instagram. It's not, though. Sarah's niche is Sarah. I would like to think so. And that means that there's room to pivot and to do other things. And I can certainly like pull up all the different assets of my business and different facets of my business that involve me doing things that are not Instagram related at all. That's
1: actually a really good example, actually, because your niche is you and your approach to the world, but you've honed it on a certain topic as a way to be of service for your business. Without, if you tomorrow was like, I want to talk about um, painting on the weekends for fun, it wouldn't be weird.
0: No, it wouldn't alienate people. And again, it wouldn't be for everybody. But there's lots of people who follow what I do who, don't care about growing their Instagram they just like the pictures I share of like my life or and it's why I'm able to do things like influencer posts for products that are not Instagram related because I have a a relationship with my audience that is bigger than just one niche or one facet of my business
1: and I would say from a personal experience there's been times where I felt in my business that I'm only allowed to share very on topic content and there's a part of because I started off personal blogging and now I have like a blog that kind of works on my business and there is a part of me that's like oh I wish I could sometimes just write a blog post about something broader than that and there's been times like oh you can't do that and and recently I've been like why yeah and so I would also say it's not nice to box yourself in because you're a human being who's going to flex and grow and you contain multitudes and I think if we just can remember that if you you contain multitudes are you holding space for that in your work if not there will probably be a problem down the line for that.
0: Absolutely. And I have to say, I think all the exciting growth and the new developments and the really innovative work comes about from those multifaceted, strange little parts of our interests that can spark into something. Like it was only because I was a blogger who was a little bit nerdy and obsessive about Instagram that I was ever able to build up to the place where I am, where I teach it, because that was just my interest. It wasn't because it was...
1: You didn't sit down and be like, there's a gap in the market for an Instagram course.
0: No, it was just who I was and I was just being who I was. And my resolution for 2019 is actually to let myself blog more and to get back to just blogging about my whole life because... I feel like that's the space where I get to explore the different parts of my life. And I also feel like I'm ready for a new evolution in my business. And it will probably come from that area. It will probably come by talking about different things and finding connection and it evolving. I feel exactly the same, actually. And I'm so excited to read what you wrote. Same. Are you going to blog <laughs> some more personal stuff this year, then?
1: <laughs> Hopefully. I, you know, I don't know about you. For me, it's sometimes finding the space mm. for that after doing all the work that serves other people in the week.
0: Definitely. And that, I think that's part of why I want to do it as yeah, well, is yeah. to give myself kind of what I keep telling everyone else that they need.
1: And coming back to the idea that because we share such purposeful content, I think it's also coming back to the fact that why I'm like, why would anyone want to hear something that wasn't so focused on yeah. them? But then I think that's dangerous to not realize, because I say this to my clients all the time, like your stories matter. But if you don't believe that yourself, you, something's got lost there. So totally. I think that's and what I'm
0: figuring out. It doesn't have to be for everybody. Exactly. It doesn't have to be because there's no niche here. It can just be for the people who find it and resonate with it.
1: I know personally for me, I don't ever read any like, how-to content. I read stories. I read people sharing their life. Totally. And
0: we're all a bit nosy as well, aren't we? Completely.
1: (laughs) Well, I think this is a hot topic. And if anyone's listened to this, and like Sarah said, if you have niched in or you advise people to niche in and you've seen it work, we're not saying
0: you're wrong. We're just saying that, Different strokes for different folks. Totally. And also, if you say niche, I'm going to forgive you. So I think we need an online debate. Is it niche or niche? Maybe I need schooling. It's like an American-UK thing, right? It's like, I think it is. But then some people in America say niche. I and then some know. people in the UK say niche. Yeah, so I'm not really sure... <laughs> so i'd like to hear which one you say well we'd love to hear your thoughts please come let us know on so social media our hashtag is dear hopeful creative and tag us on instagram on stories on twitter wherever you hang out and we would love to come and see we've had a few people write blog posts in response which it's has so been lovely fun. and we always try and share those as well so it's a good way to connect everybody up
1: and mary if you're listening congratulations on your business birthday next month yes keep going your work looks beautiful and just yeah i really hope you continue to give yourself permission to do you Yes. and it continues to thrive
0: you can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media so on Instagram I'm at me and Orla. and you'll find me at jencarrington underscore we're going to be sharing new episodes every Monday so if you've liked what you've heard so far hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show yeah and we can't wait to connect with you soon